Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Vable F1 podcast. The whole gang is back together. I'm joined by Joshua Fletcher, Callum McAvoy and Callum Owen for another 45 minutes or so of Formula One chat. Um, there's lots to cover. We're going to be looking back at Imola and some of our predictions that we made and, and seeing how we got on. Uh, we've got some Formula One news as well. The fact that Miami has been confirmed um, for 2022. We also um, heard the sound of the new cars as well in, in the onboard track, in the onboard kind of video that we saw of, of the car going around the track and um, we've also got to talk about sprint qualifying which is coming this week we know that silverstone is going to be uh, first to host um the sprint qualifying event um we're then going to have a look at uh portugal which is coming up this weekend um we're returning there for the for the second year running after a long time away from portugal so lots to get on with so let's get straight into it um, Joshua and uh, Callum McAvoy, we're going to talk, to talk to you first about your predictions that you made um, from uh, Imola. We'll go to you first, Callum. Um, you put Hamilton to win the race um, with Verstappen second, and, and so did you, Joshua. I actually got it right. I'm sitting here looking <laughs> very smug because I said Verstappen, Hamilton. Um, Callum, just kind of your, your overall thoughts on, on the race and how your predictions went. I mean, you know, it's it's a hollow victory because it's either going to be Hamilton or Verstappen winning. So, you know, it's a 50-50 split. Uh, I was way wrong on my third place finisher that I had Fernando Alonso who finished 10th. So I was way wrong on that. But I do claim uh, the high ground here. My wild prediction was Nikita Mazepin would finish the race. Which he did. <laughs> uh, he was two laps down, though. So, but, you know, uh, a finish is a finish. So I, I claim victory there at least. Yeah, just just before we came on, I, I listened back to to last time and and saw that you said remember that you said that, and I was like, he's got that one right. But yeah, Stroll as well. You said would finish in the top five, um, and that one didn't quite work out. He came eight, so just a, a very average weekend for them. Um, Joshua, the same for you. You were, you were fairly close on yours. You obviously got Hamilton and Verstappen the wrong way around, um, and then you put Leclerc third, and, and he finished fourth. So. Reaction to your predictions, please. Yeah, I mean, as as Callum said, it's sort of if you say one, the other one's going to be there or thereabouts. So it's short and dark. I thought Lewis would do it in the wet, but um, just got beat into the corner, didn't he? And then from then on, it was just happens to lose. Uh, yeah, I mean, I said Leclerc third. I don't think any of us will complain with the Norris podium. Uh, I mean, I was close enough with fourth. So um, a decent weekend for our prediction. Started off strong, so can only go downhill and Callum Owen um, you weren't with us last time it's been, it's been a long time since we've uh, had a chance to speak to you about Formula One um, what have you made of the first two kind of opening rounds of the season and the, well there's quite a few questions I could ask you but what, what have you made overall of the first few rounds and especially that that Red Bull Mercedes Hamilton Verstappen battle well exactly that I'm really happy is the word but um, that we've got what seems to be a proper title fight this year Verstappen and Red Bull look incredibly strong and Hamilton and the Mercedes, I think, would always be strong. And Imola, Imola was a fantastic race and I think it just um, just outlined how close those two cars are. Verstappen got away at the start. Hamilton was coming back before he had his, his off um, and then had a fantastic recovery drive. So I'm really optimistic that we're going to have a, just an incredible season. 
and you've led me onto it perfectly there with the, the Hamilton Verstappen chat because Callum, um, um, how good was it to see that that turn one battle between the two of them where they hit each other as well? Hamilton took a, a slight bit of damage, but it didn't seem to affect him too much. How good was it to see them properly going wheel to wheel rather than you know Verstappen chasing Hamilton like it was in Bahrain? This is what we wanted. This was the race that we've been you know, what, wishing for for years, you know. And as uh, Callum Owen said, you know, this is, I hope this is the, the rest of the season now. It's just this, these two going at it, uh, a proper test of skill. Obviously, Rain is the great equaliser in motorsport, as we know. So this really was a, a test of man over machinery. And uh, interesting to see the staff and win. I didn't, didn't see that coming. Really thought Hamilton would win. But uh, yeah, no, it was just quite something to see. And we know that Hamilton has always kind of been one for, he's always said that he tries to leave as much space as possible. And we know about Verstappen's aggression. And, and I, I liked how aggressive he was at just saying, nope, you're not coming through, bye-bye. And then obviously Hamilton just completely held back um, the next time round. Joshua, for you, was it completely fair? I know you're a Hamilton fan, so there, there, might, there might be, you know, some silver twinty glasses for this. Um, was it, you know, fair dues or or should Verstappen maybe have, have picked up a, a penalty or something for that? Oh, no, it was it's completely fair, I think. I've seen a couple of bits saying that, I mean, Verstappen cut him off or initiated it. And no, it was, it was just great racing. Um and Hamilton made a mistake. It's he, it's not like he was there and just chasing him down. He he cost himself maybe a win with with that mistake, and he admitted to it. And it was it was just great to see. And to go in to have two races with a point between two of the, the two best drivers on the grid this year uh, can only be fantastic for the sport and for the fans. I mean, fair result in the end, wasn't it? Really, and a bit of justice for Lando Norris, only just going off in qualifying putting it up there and then and then coming back to take take a podium is is good to see. Yeah, and Callum Owen, it was it was fantastic to see Lando back on the podium. Um what do you think in terms of Lando? Do you think that's something that he can maybe sustain and maybe pick up four, five, six, seven podiums this year? Or do you think it could maybe be a one off? What what do you think? Um I think sort of four, five, six is probably a little ambitious. Because the McLaren's shown it's an excellent car this year, which I'm, I'm happy about McLaren sort of considering my team. I'm very happy about that. And um, I, I, yeah, I think that many is optimistic, but I don't expect it to be a one-off. Norris at the minute looks to have the measure of Daniel Ricciardo. And I just think that's Ricciardo adapting to the car. And the McLaren looks to be slightly ahead of the Ferraris. However, at different tracks, we could see that change. So I do think when Bottas and Perez or any of the leading cars fail to make that third spot, we're going to see either a McLaren or a Ferrari join them. And at the minute, you'd say Lando Norris is best placed to be that person. And Callum, M, um, Callum just mentioned there that the battle between Ricardo and Norris, how long do we give Ricardo to adapt to this McLaren car before we can kind of say, no, Ricardo is better than Norris or, or Norris is better than Ricardo in this car? I'd say give it the first four or five races, maybe. You know, you've got to remember, you know, Lando has grown up with McLaren in the same way, the same way that Hamilton did all those years ago. So, yeah, of course, you know, Ricardo's going to be off to a slow start there. He's bounced around a lot of teams recently. So, yeah, I'd give it four or five races. But, uh, yeah, it's a really good sign for, for Norris to be so far ahead of uh, Ricardo because we all know what he's capable of. So. And, Joshua, you've made it no secret to us that you're a massive Lewis Hamilton fan. Um, you know, 
in, in Formula One. Were you in floods of tears when he went off into that barrier? You know, what happened? I was more shocked than upset by, I think. And after the weekend that Mercedes had, it was almost not predictable, but everything seemed to go wrong. I know he managed to bring it back, but you look at everything before before that comeback from ninth up and the uh, red flag. I don't know. I think he just went for it. And he, I think rain, wind, everything. He's just, he just misjudged it. It was a tight angle to go for anyway. Um, but I mean, you, you don't become world champion by not taking risks. Didn't pay off, but he's still come and got second. I think he got a fastest lap in the end as well. So he's he got the bonus point. He still leads the championship, and he's kept that up, kept up that Mercedes run. Uh, but I think he'll be happy not to lose the race, but to have a proper challenger. He's not had a proper challenger since since Rosberg in 2016 or so. So I think inside he'll be delighted that he's got someone who can actually compete with him. And Calamone, I know we, you know, we know how strong Lewis Hamilton is mentally and, and he's spoken about that. But do you think maybe the fact that Verstappen is obviously so close to him this season, that I know it was so early on, but that could maybe start to get in, into his head a little bit? Or do you think, you know, the conditions just got the better of him and it was just a rare one-off mistake? Yeah, I think he took, it was a slightly unnecessary risk, but he did, he was catching up to Verstappen and I think didn't want to lose any time with the back markers. As for Hamilton, mentally, he's he's been in world championship battles before, um, 2007, 8, uh, 2014, 2016. You could even count 17 and 18 before Ferrari and Sebastian Vettel sort of fell off. So I don't think Hamilton's mentality needs to be questioned. I, I think when he gets down to it, Hamilton will be able to cope with the pressure. And it, I think it's his to lose and Verstappen's to win. I think that's fair enough, to be fair. And, you know, I think we maybe will see how strong mentally Lewis Hamilton is this year if he does, you know, end up winning that that um, that battle because Hamilton's going to say, sorry, Verstappen is going to say things about him in interviews. And I think he's going to play those mind games throughout the rest of the season to, to try and catch him out. I want to talk about uh, a prediction that Joshua made that we didn't touch on at the start. Um, he predicted George Russell to score points. Obviously, in 2020, he was on track to do that and, and binned it under the safety car. Um, this year, he had that collision with Bottas. Um, Callum... McAvoy, what did you make of it? Was that completely Russell's fault? Was it Bottas's fault? Um, who, who was at fault on that one? Uh, I'm going to go on Team Russell for this one. Uh, I think Bottas moved across and uh, I'm surprised that you know Martin Brundle and all the commentators on Sky didn't take sort of more note of this. Uh, you can clearly see Bottas moves across uh, as Russell is going past. And obviously, that's what leads to the crash. Uh, I will admit Russell definitely did not handle the situation very well uh, going up to Bottas and sticking the middle finger up at him. Uh, I get why he did it, obviously heat at the moment and all that. But uh, yeah, I think uh, it was Bottas's fault. It was more, it was a, it was a recent incident, but 60-40 to Bottas, I guess. And Joshua, you nodded in agreement there with um, Callum, but Callumo, you didn't really seem to to react. What, what did you make of it? Are you on, on the side that it was Russell's fault? Um, I don't think, I think both Russell and Bottas have to take some blame. I think the way the straight in Imola goes, you do have to sort of, you do have to turn whether Bottas turned a bit too much. And I get Russell said at 300 kilometres an hour, the smallest movement can be massive. And I just think that's what led to it. I think if anything, it's a racing incident. Did 
they conduct themselves the best after, no, does it really matter that they you know, gave the finger and had words? Not particularly. I don't think anyone didn't like seeing it. But, so I think a racing incident is sort of just where it should be left. I think I, I agree with you on that one. I think it's um, it's difficult because obviously Russell, you know, dipped into the grass, which was obviously wet, which which could have obviously thrown him off a little bit. And Bottas was also, why was he kind of on that wet side of the track? Obviously, he was, he was in a quicker car and... And that's probably one of the only only places he could overtake there. But Joshua, what what did you think of it? Do you, were you on Team Russell as well, or, or were you like me and Callum potentially saying, yeah, probably was a racing incident? They they probably both were at fault. You can see why the stewards didn't sort of look at it and penalise either of them. Uh, but I yeah, I think we're we're split two two here. I, I the the jolt from Bottas, as Russell put it, was clear to see, and I think the wet is a massive factor in that. But more importantly, I think it's a miracle that they're both out okay and neither driver behind them was affected by that. Because you look at the spin, the contact, the impact, that could have been a lot worse. You could have had four cars out of that race. You could have potentially had a lot of drivers injured. Um, You knew straight away it was a red flag. Again, it's just a difficult one. It's passion from Russell, isn't it, to get out and slap his hand away. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if Toto Wolf conducted it necessarily very well, sort of bringing in the reputation of other competitions and cars, and just let it be. Both drivers made a mistake. Just move on. No one was hurt. They were both. They neither was on for a points finish anyway. Russ, uh, Bottas down in eighth or ninth at the time, whatever it was. Just move on. Let it be. And I think Russell, Russell made no qualms that they're not friends. Doesn't impact his future with Mercedes team. So. Is what it is, but just yeah, just shocking really that it's it's ended up like this. For me, I quite like to see that. I quite like seeing mm. Russell get out of the car and, and yeah. go, What what are you doing? you know, sort of thing. I, I like to see that kind of passion, you know. I think we're, we're all football fans here and, and we like to see our teams um kind of doing that sort of thing, you know, getting into our position and, and you know confronting them about stuff. And I think it's the same in Formula One, you know, everyone's you're not all there to, you know, be friends of each other and, and handshake and go and drink coffee after the race in the paddock, all this sort of stuff. You're there because you're fighting against everybody, you know, is a rival. So Callum, um, McAvoy, what did you make of it? Did, do you think, you know, how Mercedes handled it well? Do you, obviously, we, you kind of touched on the fact that Russell didn't particularly handle it, handle it well, but what did you make of, of Toto Wolff's reaction to it? Yeah, not handled well at all. I think that the, the whole thing got blown up because of the relationship Russell has to Mercedes and the whole, oh, is Russell going to take Bottas's seat next year? So I think that narrative really made a bigger deal out of it than it, it really should have been. Uh, no, Mercedes didn't handle it very well. Um, they should have just said, oh, you know, George will learn from this. You know, you know, Bottas will take it on the chin and that should have been the end of it. I feel they, they just escalated it uh, beyond where it should have been. And then moving on, another prediction that I made is I expected Sonoda to challenge for a podium. Obviously, he had that crashing qualifying that, you know, smack, completely smashed up the back of his car. Um, and then after, I think it was after the red flag restart, he, he spun on the first chicane um, after sort of gaining 10 places throughout the race. And, and then obviously finished, you know, a lot lower down the order than, than maybe I expected him to. Do you think, um, Callum Owen, that maybe there's now... AlphaTauri have a bit of an expectation on Sonoda after doing so well in his first weekend scoring points, or do you think they're they're still going to be like, no, it's okay, that that's all right. You'll learn from these mistakes. That that's part of being a young driver. 
I think there's an expectation from the fans because we've seen what Pierre Gasly can do in that car. We know it's obviously a strong car this year. So I think there's an expectation from fans that he doesn't spin and end up out of the points or crashing qualifying. I think Alpha Tauri will be realistic about it and understand it's his second year, uh, second race in an F1 car and mistakes are maybe to be expected. I think it's more there'll be a fan expectation as opposed to a team one. I mean, I really like Sonoda, the way he conducts himself, the way he's you know, so passionate already. Uh, I mean, remember when he got out of the medical car and just went straight through the back of the garage, did not speak to anyone, and you know, because he was obviously so annoyed with himself. Um, Joshua, um, moving to his teammate, Pierre Gasly, you said that he would disappoint um, at the weekend. It's probably fair to say that he did, and both, both Alfa Tauri cars did, and, and it won't be a weekend to remember for them. Yeah, I, I think I'm not necessarily on the, the Gasly hype train that I've seen quite a lot. Um, but I think Sonoda made a mistake, whether that was all him, whereas the wind, like uh, Norris attributed it to. I think Gasly would have wanted a better result, not necessarily win it like he's um, done before or push for a podium, but a lot higher than where he wanted. But it's, it's still early in the season. They're still new cars to them. I know they've had some testing, but we, we never know. It's been a whole two seasons now. This and this season and last season have been so unpredictable with short testing. And I think everyone deserves four or five races just to acclimatise to their surroundings and the cars and just let's see where we are at then. But I mean, Gazi will learn. He'll, he'll improve and he'll have better outcomes than that. But that race was, as we've said, was it was great for a fan, but there was some very interesting results. I mean, I mentioned football earlier on, and I, I don't want to mention it too much because obviously this, this is a Formula One podcast. But again, we're all football fans. If if our team loses the first five games of the season, we're not going, oh, we're getting relegated. And if we win the first five, we're not saying, you know, we're getting promoted or whatever. So it's the same with Formula One. You've got to give those you know, four or five races to bed and it's, it's a 23 race season. Um, and it was also something that we haven't mentioned yet. The first time we've seen these cars in the wet as well you know they've not even driven them in the wet they, they would have done it on sims but you know it's impossible to kind of recreate kind of exact conditions and you know the speed that a track dries or, or you know how quickly it gets wet how quickly puddles set on it think things like that um, i think that's kind of everything um in terms of imola obviously uh, perez had a very disappointing weekend for red bull after i predicted him on the podium um just just a number of areas throughout the weekend and, and especially in the race that cost him there um, and we all know that you know, how good Lewis Hamilton is, um, you know, the way he recovered from from that spin, sorry, from hitting the barrier. And, and we talked about that earlier. Um, the first piece of news that's broken in the last, what is it, two weeks since, since Imola, it will be this weekend, um, was that we're going to Miami in 2022. And no, I'm not going to sing the song. Um, I can't even remember who it's by. Um, but Callum McAvoy, um, I assume you've you've seen the uh, the layout of the, of the track around the, um, around the stadium. Uh, what did you make of it? Just another, because to me, it was another boring um, street circuit. Well, first off, I, I think I speak on behalf of everyone. I'm extremely disappointed we're not getting the full rendition of Will Smith's Miami. This is the only reason I came on uh, tonight, because I knew... Welcome to gonna... Miami. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get. We got a bit. We'll get copyrighted if we do any more. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, boring street circuit. Did, did, did we expect anything different, though, at this stage? Um, 
I don't, I don't know. Herman Tilt gets a lot of flack, and I think a lot of it is misplaced. I think that he's unfortunately F1 tells him like where the circuits are going to be and just make the best of it. And unfortunately, when you have a place like Miami, great a great venue. Don't get me wrong, you can't do a lot of the circuits. It's just going to be another boring flat. Let's have two long straights and a lot of twisty bits. Like there's not a lot he can do, mm. and this is why so many people love. Um, Austin in in, uh, in Texas because he was able to you know move the ground around and do what he want. That's why you have so many elevation changes. Can't do that in in Miami for the street circuit. So yeah, uh, it's another Sochi Abu Dhabi ripoff. I'm afraid. Yeah, I think we can agree that it, it's just it it didn't remind me of Sochi or Abu Dhabi, but it, it certainly has now. And it also I was going to say it, obviously nothing can can be can recreate Monaco and, and come close to that. I don't think in my opinion. Um, but it reminded me of Baku. Um, it reminded me of, I can't even think of what the other one is. There we go, Vietnam. You know, the, the walls, a fairly wide track, you know, not really much room for error, but there never is on any, on any street circuit. Anyway, it reminded me a bit, a bit of Singapore as well. And I think Callum, uh, oh, I think to me, I think it's just all come down to money. Miami is, is a, you know, a, a big place that everybody knows in the world. Everybody's heard of Miami. Everybody's heard of, of you know, Formula One and, and things like that. And I think it just comes down to to money, I think. What, what do you think, Callum? Well, I agree perfectly with what you said. It's uh, with what Callum said, two long straights and a lot of corners. It's got a lot of, it's taken a lot of flack so far for similarities to Vietnam. And whilst we never raced there, Obviously, it was on the F1 game and there was countless onboard videos and it never had a brilliant reaction. I don't think Miami will be any sort of different to that. As for as for money, I, yeah, F1's a money sport and I think it's nothing, it's nothing shocking. I think as a location, Miami's great. It has a street circuit around the stadium. It's not great, but it's money and... I don't know. It's a 10-year deal, so it's not going to be a one and done. It's where this is we have to make the best of it and hope it does produce decent racing. Joshua, do you think maybe we could have just put the track inside the stadium, built an oval around the stadium and had a bit of oval Formula One racing rather than just a boring flat street circuit? I think if fans got to design F1 tracks, we'd make them a lot more exciting than quite a few of what we got in the uh calendar. But yeah, it's a it's a money track, really. Every time you sort of go to the States, you put in an event in the States, um, it's for money. Almost somewhat surprised it's not in somewhere like New York or LA. I mean, a bit harder to do in places like that. Um, yeah, again, it's just, I don't want to say it's a boring race because we've we've got a year or so to wait until we sort of see cars on track and see what it feels like. And But yeah, they'll, they'll pack it out. They'll have... They have loads of fans there. The States love their motor racing. I mean, it, it would go down well over there. As for us, we're probably never going to experience it apart from on the telly. So, mm. yeah, dis- disappointed in the sort of layout. I mean, you can't really do much when you've got a stadium sort of in the, middle of, in the middle of your of your location for it. So, disappointing. But we'll we'll see. Hope as I, I said before, hopefully we see some exciting racing and potential for it to evolve as we go on and the last two points um on this i just want to discuss with with callum first of callum m first of all is um we were told that there were like you know the article that, that announced it said there were like 22 track designs that they came up with 
or, or you know something like that there were multiple track designs and they obviously decided on this one as the best one do you think maybe it could have been an idea that they could have presented four or five you know simulated videos to fans and and we have a vote or the team's vote or the driver's vote and, and try and work out that way rather than just putting this track out and everybody saying oh that's rubbish actually a great idea which i'm sure would not work in in the real world sadly uh, just because of you know what F1 fans are like, we'd probably choose the, the craziest one of the four options that we got, perhaps. Um, although it's not a band bin now that you mention it. Um, yeah, that, that that would have been a really cool idea, to, especially you know because there'll be fans out there, and maybe I'm thinking this because of all the stuff that's happened with football recently and the, the Super League and all that. But like, yeah, I think some fans are like, oh, look, the sport's being taken away from us because of blah 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 and money talks and all that. So, yeah, an idea of like that would have been pretty good, actually. Yeah. And then Calamo, we obviously, in, in the video, we heard one of the 2022 cars, probably the first time, or certainly the first time I heard one. And um, I, I had to turn my volume up quite high to actually be able to hear it. Um, what did you make of the sound of, of the new cars? Especially the bit I didn't like was, was when they came into the braking zones, the downships just sounded horrendous. What do you think, Calamo? I mean, I'm not... I think a lot of F1 fans... And it's a lot of F1 fans that are maybe a little bit older than I am, really concerned about car noise, just because they've lived through the era of V8s, V10s, V12s. And so long as it doesn't sound like Formula E, I'm fine, because I think they're horrible sounding. I think but as F1 moves towards maybe engines that are more electric or more carbon neutral, when that's a big target of theirs, engine noise will go with it and joshua i think we could probably make a whole new podcast about the kind of new kind of you know zero emissions and carbon you know things you know and all that sort of scientific stuff that i've got no idea about um so we probably couldn't make a whole podcast um what did you did, does it concern you you know that these cars are, are potentially getting quieter and quieter or is it not really something that bothers you because for me on the tv when i hear these cars i'm like yeah all right but then i hear them in real life and i'm like you know, they don't sound that bad. What, what do you think, um, Joshua? Yeah, I think, as said, we're clearly heading for for a more sustainable and kind of engine, more sustainable kind of sport. Lewis Hamilton's made no effort to sort of keep it traditional. He's sort of going that sort of direction, sort of almost spearheading that idea of, of making the sport better and um, better for the environment. Uh, will we miss the sort of proper car noise and revving and everything that comes with it? Of course. But in the grand scheme of things, does it really matter as long as we still have high quality racing at high quality circuits in not equal cars, but cars that can compete with each other across the grid? Uh, if that comes at the expense of a bit of revs, I don't think anyone or any F1 fans are going to complain. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that one. And, and I think everybody else probably would as well. Um, that, that's kind of with us, the two columns as well. Um, moving on, the next piece of news, because we, we talked about that for quite a bit. So that's Miami. The next piece of news that came out this week that's as well caused a bit of controversy um, is sprint qualifying has been introduced. Obviously, there was a lot of talk about it at testing. You know, we were being told pretty much, you know, every day that teams were meeting with, with the FIA to discuss this and, and, and how it was going to work. And the new format has been uh, released. So if, if you haven't heard it and you're listening and I've got no idea what sprint qualifying is, um, basically, it's basically going to be a 100 kilometre race that will then 
set the set the grid for, for Sunday's Grand Prix. Um, the way the weekend would work is that Friday morning, we would still have our normal one hour practice one. Um, Friday afternoon would then be a normal qualifying uh, with our three qualifying sessions, five drivers getting knocked out in each as it is now on a Saturday afternoon. Um, then Saturday morning, we'd have practice two. Um, that would be, you know, another hour session. And then Saturday afternoon would be um, the sprint qualifying race. So it, so it would be a, a hundred kilometer race and wherever you finish the race, um, the sprint race, you then start um, in, in the normal Grand Prix on Sunday. So for example, um, if, if Joshua was a Formula One driver and on Friday afternoon, he qualified in fifth for the sprint, then finished in second um, in the sprint race, he would then start second on a Sunday afternoon. Um, Callum M, what are your kind of reactions to this? Do you think it's it's just a complete waste of time and won't work? Oh, I really wish it had been reverse grids. That would have been so much better. Um, the way I see it is that we're going to, it adds another race, whoop de do. What's going to happen in that race is the fastest cars are going to finish at the front of the grid and the slowest are going to finish at the back. So no different to how normal qualifying works anyway. Uh, reverse grids would have been so much better if you watch any British touring cars like I do when they do reverse grids at least the top 10 get reversed it's so much more entertaining to see um I, I don't mind them trying to change things up though um I kind of wish they had done it at the really crap circuits like Sochi or Abu Dhabi or Paul Ricard in France but as I'm sure we'll discuss in a bit they're not going to do that um so, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, we'll see how it goes, but I'm a bit sceptical at the moment. And Callum o, um it's been confirmed that Silverstone uh, are going to uh, to hold the first one of these. Um, you're obviously going to be there, and, and I don't know if the other three of us will, may or may not be, um, but you're obviously going to be there. Um, as a fan that's at the track, is all you want to see racing, or are you more concerned about seeing cars on track, on the limit, in qualifying and practice? What, what are your kind of takes on it overall? And then... Uh, you know, as a fan at the track, what what do you prefer to see? Overall, I'm I'm glad it's being tried because there was a lot of calls for something along the lines of reverse grid or a sprint qualifying. So I'm I'm glad it's being tried. Um, I'm worried it could take away from the Grand Prix seeing the cars race on Sunday. Um, So I think that's yet to be determined whether it will or not. And I was more, I was, I'm happy qualifying itself is being kept. I was worried that it might come at the expense of qualifying. And I think every F1 fan does want to see the cars on the limit. Honest. I mean, I'm glad it's being tried. I'm looking forward to seeing it. So I think, I mean, yeah, it's, I'm happy it's happening. It has to be done, though, at circuits where you can overtake. Mm. Otherwise, you'll just get a procession for 100 kilometres and no one wants to see that. Joshua, before we go a bit deeper into it, your first initial reaction as well. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of glad we're sort of seeing something. Uh, whether it's whether this is what fans wanted, uh, I'm not sure. It's I, I've wanted sort of like a revamp of quality for a while, whether that comes in the form of reverse grid or um yeah, sort of almost like almost like so one shot, two shot, you give each car like a chance and rather than knocking everyone out, some sort of change to it. Uh, but a 100k sprint race, yeah, as, as has been said, you're just going to see the uh, Red Bull and the Mercedes sprint off and then 
midfield fight for it and the Williams at the back. I mean, <laughs> it's just a shorter, less, it's a shorter race and a chance of Formula One to charge fans even more money to go and see it because you're seeing a race on a Saturday. So, I mean, that, that's going to be another, what, 20, 50 quid on the ticket price. And you've all you've all kind of raised valid points in terms of, you know, Callum M, you said about reverse grids and, and maybe potentially one idea is that we qualify as normal um, and then reverse the top 10 for a sprint race like, you know, Formula 2 or, or whatever they do and then go into the Sunday's race with, with the actual grid or, or something like that. Um, you know, there's so much that's kind of come out of that in terms of the fact that, yeah, the, you know, it could just reset the order and surely the whole point of a normal qualifying is, you know, seeing somebody crash out like, you know, seeing... Perez, I don't know, crash out in, in Q1 and then come through the pack, you know, on, on a Sunday. So, so there's a lot to to definitely digest and, and talk about. Um, Callum M, you mentioned um, reverse grids. Is, is there anything else that you think maybe we should be trying? Because, I mean, this, like you said, it's good to see that we're trying things. This is the first time that we've obviously tried something since that dreadful qualifying format that we saw a couple of years ago where we had this kind of countdown um, clock next to each driver, I think, wasn't it, where, where they were getting knocked out. But um, Callum, M, what would you try if, if it was you, you know, and you had to have a sprint race in there in some format? Ooh, difficult. Um, I mean, the only way that this kind of current format that they've picked works is that like Hamilton and Verstappen crash out on the first lap of the sprint race, then they both have to start at the back of the grid. That's the only way this works, is that someone near the front um, doesn't finish or whatever. Um, I just do reverse grids. Honestly, I can't think of anything better. I know, I know it's a bit boring to say, but like, just do a sprint race and then either have the top 10 uh, reversed or I think what they used to do in BTCC was... Um, they would they would literally draw a number out of a hat. So if you and if it was like sixteen, then the top sixteen would be reversed and something like that. Oh, okay. So just like completely spice it up. Uh, it's anything I can think to do. To be to be perfectly honest. And Calamo, do you think maybe last year would have been a better year to try this? We've kind of you know the situation that we had with, with the pandemic. We only you know had a short you know a lot a large amount of race in a short period of time, but it wasn't you know the most convincing Formula One season we've ever seen. Obviously, this is like a full calendar. We're getting these two-week gaps between, between races that we used to see. Do you think maybe we're trying this a little bit too late or do you think it's okay to just throw it in now? I hadn't thought about that. And now that you say it, it sounds like a better idea. But I'd imagine with all the issues around COVID and the logistics of having a worldwide, no, nearly worldwide um, calendar, I think last year they would have struggled to do it just because there were better for well, not better things but bigger things that needed prioritizing so is it coming too late no would it have been better last year yes and then i think we can probably all agree that we don't want to go towards this kind of formula two and formula three format because you know they're unique for having their practice and qualifying on a friday you usually get a fairly entertaining sprint slash feature race and i know the formula three races both are the, are the same distance so i think we can agree that we don't really want to go towards that we want to keep it with this full grand prix on a sunday joshua the last thing on these sprint races if you think do you think a race on a saturday could take away from maybe that that Sunday, you know, build up. You get, you know, your races in the morning, your feature races, um, you know, sorry, support series is, is what I meant to say there. Um, and then obviously in the afternoon, you get this kind of gap and, and you know, the drivers come around on the trucks, all this thing. Um, 
do you think it could take away the hype from Grand Prix Sunday, Joshua? Uh, yes, is the short answer. I think the point is that you you wait two weeks a lot of the time, maybe three, and you see the cars on grids. You sort of practice Friday, practice Saturday. Then the sort of excitement starts to build. You see qualifying. Anything can happen. I know we've said it. We've seen Carlos Sainz qualify 15th, 14th, whatever it was. And then we get an exciting main event on the Sunday. And to have a sort of another event on the Saturday sort of takes the joy out of it. We'll all still watch it. It's not like we'll switch off. We'll all still watch it. The fact they know the fans will watch it. They can charge more. I mean, they get more viewers. But it, there's a little bit that takes away from the sort of special nature of it, almost. Yeah, and the other thing I kind of thought of there is it, is it could bring more viewers to Formula One if we've got these shorter races, people, you know, you know, the things that my mates level at me that don't like Formula One is why would you want to sit and watch 20 cars drive around in circles for an hour and a half? You know? Whereas you might only be doing that for 45 minutes to an hour, you know, on, on a sprint race. And people may find it a little bit more entertaining if it's shorter and condensed. But like we said, you know, we probably have a midfield battle with the, the front runners just pulling off. I think that's kind of everything um, that, that we can talk about in terms of the sprint races. And I'm sure we'll, we'll come back and have a conversation about how it's worked in July or whenever Silverstone is. It also looks like Monza, um, we're going to be trying it there as well as in Interlagos in Brazil. Um, so, you know, we'll have we'll have conversations again about sprint 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 qualifying um you know once they've actually happened and um, the other piece of news this week which we don't kind of need to discuss too much is that turkey has now been replaced uh sorry turkey is now replacing um canada um canada a track that i quite like driving it's obviously not the best to kind of race on but i, I quite like driving around it when i've got whenever i played it on, on the game and turkey i don't see as that much of an exciting track obviously we saw a lot of excitement there last year um, in terms of um, you know the way Hamilton won the race and and strolled you know put, in it, put it on pole all that sort of stuff um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes but this weekend we go to Portugal and we're back there back in Portimao um, for the first time since well 2020 um, Callum McAvoy what did you make of last year's race and, and are you glad to be back there again for 2021? I didn't think much of the race to be perfectly honest but I love the circuit uh, pretty much like a roller coaster I think is how people were describing it um, yeah, not a particularly exciting race. Obviously, a, a special one. I think Hamilton broke his uh, the win, win broke the win record, ninety two wins as well, which was quite unique. But uh, no, I'm glad to be going back there. You know, it's always great to see um, F1 going to places that it hasn't really been to before. Uh, obviously, there have been Portuguese Grand Prix, but this is only the second one at Portimao, uh, which is quite interesting. So yeah, looking forward to it. And Calamo, your kind of overall thoughts on the track? Have you, have you ever, you know, driven it on a, on a game or anything? What, what do you think of, of the track as a whole? Uh, no, I've only ever experienced it through watching last year's race, which I think had big moments such as Hamilton's win, Raikkonen's start and the collision between Norris and Stroll. I think the race was OK last year. So I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, displeased with going back. I think it should be a good race. I think it'll help that it's it'll be competitive this year. It wasn't Hamilton sort of stormed off last year and that was that. So I think with competitive cars, it should be a great race. Mm -hmm. 
And um, Joshua, what do you think is going to happen in terms of, let's get into our predictions, you know, the podium. Um, I think that we're going to be going back to, to a normal podium this this weekend. I think we're going to see Verstappen at the top again. Um, I think that he's going to be followed by the two Mercedes in, in Hamilton and Bottas. Joshua, do you see anything different from that happening? Obviously, with Imola, we, we knew that there was going to be rain, so we could kind of mix our predictions up a little bit. But I think this is going to be a standard nice weekend in terms of European weather um, so what are your thoughts on this weekend Joshua? Uh, I'm not convinced by Bottas this season to be perfectly honest um, I mean unless there's something seriously wrong with his car you shouldn't be putting the Mercedes in that midfield um, and lower lower midfield as well um, again I think Hamilton and Verstappen will fight it out I maybe a surprise podium but but I, I don't mean someone like Giovinazzi. You'll see, you'll see what... I, maybe one of the Mercs... Um, no, not Mercs. A McLaren's or the Ferrari's up there. Um, yeah, I'm not convinced by Bottas. Um, and I think Ricardo's going to outperform Norris this week. I just think the experience has got to kick in at some point. And I don't think um, McLaren have uh, one or two drivers. So it'll be hard unless something's going really wrong. He won't be getting team orders again. I hope. And anyway. Callum, Callum M, what, what do you see ahead of this weekend in terms of your top three and, and how the race will go? Uh, I'm playing devil's advocate this uh, this week. Uh, Sergio Perez is going to win this Grand Prix. I'm calling it Ooh. now. Um, he won't really, though. Uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> But we, but we can dream. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Sergio Perez to win. Yeah, I'd love to see Lando on the podium again, but it's going to be... I'm going to go a Red Bull 1-2, Max Verstappen second, and Lewis Hamilton will round out the podium uh, places. So... And Calamo, we um, agreed with each other quite a lot in the in the predictions episode when you were last on. Are you agreeing with my top three of Verstappen, Hamilton, Bottas, or have you gone for something slightly different? Maybe. I keep I wrote, I wrote it down at the start and I keep looking at Max and Lewis and I can't decide whether I want to swap them or not. But I'll stick with it. I'll go Valtteri Bottas in third, Lewis Hamilton second with Max Verstappen taking consecutive wins. Good man, good man. <laughs> um, and Joshua, your kind of wild prediction for the weekend, what, what's going to happen that nobody can see coming, that you, can, you, know, you can win two grand on if you bet on it? Uh, I think Lance Stroll is going to finish top five. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, check it out there. Why not? Stroll's going to come top five. Just just cause a bit of an upset. Uh, and again, I think Sergio Perez will disappoint. I can't see him getting anywhere near the top three. <laughs> Sorry, Callum. <laughs> what do you make of that, Callum? Live a little, mate. Come on. <laughs> Dream. <laughs> Dreams, man. <laughs> A man can dream. Um, Callum um, as well, then, your your kind of wild prediction. Um, Mazepin finishing the race is not allowed. Maybe Mazepin oh. not spinning. Oh, that's impossible. No, I, 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 like, I like to dream, but that's too far. You know, there are some dreams that are achievable, OK? Um, I've gone with George Russell will score points for Williams. Um, they've been showing good progress, both him and Latifi into Q2. Uh, in Imola, so now is the time. He's finally going to get points. Williams are finally going to score points for the first time in, what, nearly two years. 
I hope, anyway, I hope. And then Callum, um, before before we go to mine, um, let, let's hear what you think is going to happen this weekend in terms of your, your wild prediction, please. I think maybe I've got the least wild prediction, so I'll, get, I'll give you I'll give you two to balance it out. I'll go for Espen Ocon to out-qualify Fernando Alonso and also Sergio Perez to finish fifth with either a McLaren or a Ferrari ahead of them. I like it. I like it. Well, Callum, man, we, we've talked about me dreaming. I, I'm definitely dreaming this weekend. Sebastian Vettel, it's his time. It's, it's Aston Martin's time. They, they've had a dreadful start to the season. Sebastian Vettel will score points and will challenge for the podium. What, what do we think of uh, anyone? I think, I think you, you're really backing Sebastian Vettel again. <laughs> I, like, I like him. I, I don't think he's there yet. I don't think the Aston Martin cars there is there yet. I want to see him do well, though. I'd like to see him get points. Good stuff. Like, well, if, like, if he finishes yeah, like, on the podium, it'll be a miracle, I think. Like I said, there are dreams and then there are unachievable dreams. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry, but... Okay, score points, I'll give you that. Challenge for the podium. Y- you're clutching straws there, mate. Sorry. And Joshua, anything you want to add on kind of anyone else's predictions that, that they've made or, or your thoughts on those? I can't agree with that metal shout. I really can't. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not. I, I know we joke about sort of your like the affinity for Vettel on this podcast, but he just he looks shocking. I'm not even sure it's the Aston. I just he doesn't look up for it. I thought that at the end of last mm-hmm. season as well. He just doesn't look like he has the love for it anymore, which is sad to see that sort of love for, for uh, draining from a four-time world champion. But I mean, you you stand the best chance of winning the most money if you bet on Vettel to Vettel to come forth uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not do, as yeah. convinced I'm 18 now I mean I'm not encouraging betting but I, I, I've turned 18 this month so you know <laughs> you never know you never know and um, that's probably another podcast we could have in itself in terms of talking about Sebastian Vettel as well um, so yeah thanks very much to the three of you for joining us um, thank you to everybody that's listened along that, that's watching as well it's, it's been fantastic and hopefully you've all enjoyed it another good laugh um, as well as a bit of serious Formula 1 chat in there as well so thanks every. Thank you very much to everyone who's listened. If you're watching this on YouTube, um, make sure to hit the like button on the video, hit, hit subscribe to the channel, all that good stuff. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, um, make sure you give us a follow on, on your podcast platform and, and leave us those, those five-star reviews and, and just help us branch out as much as possible. Tell your mates, tell them to tell their mates, that, all that sort of uh, traditional stuff that you have to say at the end of these kind of things. Um, so yeah, thanks to the three of you for joining me. Thank you very much to everyone that's listening. Make sure you're um, checking out all of our work and, and everybody in the Vable office on, on Vable.com um, forward slash motorsports, I think is, is the correct link. And obviously all the articles will be um, posted on uh, the F1 Vable Twitter, which is at F1 Vable. Um, so yeah, that's it for this one. Thank you very much. Um, for listening we'll be back ahead of the next race I mean I've got no idea when that is but we'll be back before then Um, so thanks very much to everyone for listening and until next time we'll see you all later bye-bye